Hey everyone, welcome back to Quality Matters. I am your hostess, Darcy Chambers, here with my co-host, Kyle Chambers. Chambers, yes. (laughs) We're glad you're back and listening. We're continuing our little mini-series on breaking down the ISO standard, not clause by clause, but processes that Mm -hmm. Kyle has broken it up into. Yes. Not necessarily what the ISO standard is broken into. Yeah, and there's no set way to do it, but this, as we're going to do it over the next few weeks, is generally how I break it apart, especially in third-party audits. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. So last week was kind of uh, just an introduction to the standard and how 9001, 14001, and what was the other one, 45001 all kind of interrelate. And we hope you caught our midweek special on (laughs) Stunt the Boss Lady, where I answered what was it 25 yeah, true 25, false questions yeah. about the standard and i passed yes i was excited <laughs> about that um so today's topic is it starts at the top yes and kind of i guess how to get started with iso certification mm-hmm. and what to do and um kyle has made me some little notes to kind of guide me yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but i guess he's made a note that says it's in context of the organization what I the one thing I have really learned about the standard is that it doesn't have to be as complicated as people think. No, not at all. It's written very complicated. Yeah. To me, it looks it's very thick, and the wording feels very legalese. It is. And if you don't know what you're reading, you don't know what you're reading. But when you actually looked at the standard, I've heard Kyle talk. We've talked about it. We've talked about quality on our podcast. So just kind of sitting back and observing and absorbing, I've learned it's really common sense stuff. It is. It, it, that is, you hit the nail on the head, is it is, um, it's common sense written in kind of a legalistic terminology. Yeah, because everybody has to do that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, it's, but... it's the best way to, like, if you're going to hold someone accountable to something, there's a certain way you've got to, to word it to be able to hold them accountable. That makes don't sense. Don't do dumb stuff. Doesn't work. <laughs> That's one of Kyle's favorite mantras. He even uses it with our kids at home yes. when they make mistakes. And they say, it was an accident. And he says, it wasn't an accident. Yeah. You did mm-hmm. this and then this and then that happened. So don't yeah. do dumb stuff and that yes. won't happen. So it's really in the context of your own organization. A lot of people make it more complicated than it has to be. Yeah. And one of your notes says that there's whole procedures and manuals that have been written to help. Yeah, and that's just with the context of the organization. And that, that drives me bonkers. And, and that's one of the things that I want to get to here. But it's like... This this drives people crazy, or at least drove people crazy when the 2015 edition of the standard first came out, because everyone's looking at it like, what the heck is context of the organization? This has never been mentioned in any of the previous uh, revisions of, of the standard, and so folks get really flustered. And there are there are, I have seen a 20 page long, 19 page long manual 
on how to develop the context of the organization for your organization. Context is, is actually fairly straightforward. The standard does do a poor job of how they word it, but it's really fairly simple once you get past that, is what do you do? Okay. What do you do? Tell me what you do. Tell me where you do it. Tell me who you sell it to. Then that segues us into the next part. What are our interested parties? And interested parties is not a hard thing. Interested parties is a new thing, but interested parties is who either impacts me or is impacted by me. Okay, I think you're getting a little bit ahead. Sure. So let's go back to the context of the organization because I mm-hmm. think I misunderstood your little note. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that we develop our manuals or adhere to the standard within the context of our organization, but this is something that needs to be defined mm-hmm. for your quality program. It does, and this also has to come from the top. You know, this is going to come from your executive team or from the founder of the company or from, you know, maybe it's just the, the top management if it's a separate facility or location. But we do. We need to know what you do. And this is what context your organization is. What do you do? Who do you do it for? Who are your interested parties? And, you know, give me some idea of, well, what procedures do you have and, and how do things interrelate? And, and you kind of have to know these top level things. And you'll find that these top-level things still get addressed the same way they have always been addressed. You have a policy, generally says what you do and why you do it. You've got objectives that say what your key targets are, right? You have a quality manual that generally outlines what your program looks like. Hey, we handle documented information through this electronic system over here or through... This is all included in the context yeah. section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so you can, you can get a, a sense real real quick why it gets so complicated. Mm-hmm. And this is where folks go wrong because they literally go wrong at the absolute first step. Well, I'm already confused. Okay. I thought it was very simple, but I'm confused. So th- it, it sounds like you're doing everything right here at the beginning. Not quite, but it's Because you said all... you have to have the quality manual, which is like a big part of the it, standard. It is, but it all tends to evolve together. And that's where it starts at the top. But, you know, kind of the, the theme for this uh, episode is so incredibly important because you have to have, have to, have to, have to have folks at the top guiding the development of the system. Because if you don't, you're going to wind up with kingdom building. Okay, so my question is, and, you know, we may not have the answer for this because it's something we struggle with in our business, and I hope it's the question of some of our listeners out there. If you have your mid-level guy Mm -hmm. that's the quality manager or some other job and has been designated as a quality manager, which is what we most often encounter, and they've been told by the top, Mm -hmm. hey, we need to get this. Right. So what? how do they pull their top-level guys in and say, mm-hmm. okay, I've done the research, yeah. but you guys have to help. Yeah. It can't just be on me. So yeah. what is your advice for them? Well, the advice is definitely not to slap the standard in front of your manager and say, hey, it says you're supposed to do this. That's, that's probably not the advice. I guess that's something you did. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it didn't work out very well. Um, no, you... There's a big difference in the quality manager, quality assurance manager, and the quality control manager. 
Quality Control Manager a lot of times winds up getting the assurance. There's kind of a, a difference there. Is quality Control is just checking against what's already been documented. Are we doing what we said we do? Okay. Quality Assurance, on the other hand, is really interfacing with a lot of people. Um, the best advice I'd have for a quality assurance manager that is having a hard time getting that management input is probably read a couple of books that are not ISO. Uh, and these were hugely helpful for, for me, totally different from uh, kind of the, the typical way we, we go at things here. But um, one is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Okay. Like, you just got to learn how to handle people. How to get people on your side. Yeah, because if you can't do that mm-hmm. and your management team is not gung-ho about it mm-hmm. in the way that they might be ought to be. Oh. They are gung-ho. That's what we found. Right. They're gung-ho about you doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but so you know they're maybe not quite quite on board the way that you'd want them to be and that happens so incredibly often and then you know the um the other one is uh, seven habits of highly effective people okay so we're gonna read these two books the seven habits of highly effective people and mm-hmm. how to win friends and influence people yeah is that, should... did i say that right yeah yeah and i mean again like this is probably not the the way that folks are looking for this to go but Man, if, if your management team is not committed to that improvement and that, you know, kind of grassroots, let's, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of kind of method, well, you just got to learn how, how to do it. Because the fact is that they're the management, which, you know, especially this smaller company, um, probably a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit still in them. And so they've got the desire. Um, but they may be too overburdened with all of the, the thousands of meetings and, and reports and failed paperwork methodologies and you know, all these type of things going on. They may be so overburdened by all that stuff that they just can't really give this the type of attention it needs. So it's your job to pull it out of them. So you read those books and you better yourself. Exactly. And how you relate to others to get them more on board with the thing that they really want for yeah. their company. Yeah. And if, if you're like me and, you know, you're not that great at actually reading for long periods of time, you know, I guess free plug for Audible, man. I just love Audible. Yeah. So you like Audible and podcasts. <laughs> yes. That's what he listens to. Okay. So that was a little off track, but that's something that we encounter a lot. And I hope it's, you know, beneficial to some of our listeners because. Like I said, we encounter it a lot. We always, almost always are talking to the quality manager or the guy that's just been handed the standard and said, fix this. Yeah. And then it goes to their manager and they Mm -hmm. say, oh, wait, we don't want to pay for all that. We don't want to actually do all that. Right. You know, (laughs) so, um, so it starts at the top. We're going to write the context of our Mm -hmm. organization. Yep. And you said that includes the who, where, what, why. Yeah, and those are going to be contained, generally speaking, in your policy and your objectives and in a very simplified quality manual. I mean, we're talking about like 10 to 15 pages for the manual, really max. And all you're going to do is outline, you know, different things about what your processes are and what what procedures use to control this. And, well, we handle changes over here with this department and we do it this way. And you just outline stuff. Your, Your manual in the new 2015 edition of the standard really should not contain anything unique. It's just stating this is how we do stuff in an organized manner. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I don't know why. I just p- pictured the manual as something big. Because it historically has been. 
the first safety manual that I wrote was over 100 pages long because it was effectively every single safety procedure and work instruction and contingency plan all in one big bad document. But the problem you run into is when you start trying to live and breathe continual improvement, well, you're probably going to make a change to something in that manual, like quarterly. So it really only needs to be what you truly do on a daily basis. Not even that. Oh. Tell me the procedure that handles that stuff. It could be something as simple as control of non-conforming uh, product from the XYZ production process is handled by procedure 1052. Done. Okay, so where do we go find procedure 1052 or whatever you well, just said? Well, that depends on how you handle things internally. Now, you could use a software like we provide, TQA Cloud, where it's all stored locally, or it's all stored in the cloud. Maybe it's in a spreadsheet or in a binder. Whatever the system you use is, is the system but you use. But it's not listed in the quality manual. No, doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, the, the quality manual is, it's not even a required document anymore. It's not even a required document. Oh, yeah, I learned that yesterday yeah. on Stump the Boss Lady. Yeah, so it's still a useful document but since it's not a required document that means your auditor is not looking for anything specific in it mm -hmm. and so if you don't store this stuff in the quality manual well, how are you going to do it one of the key things you're going to do with the quality manual and the standard talks about this is in clause four is we want to know like how different procedures or processes interrelate to each other how are things connected well your quality manual can can describe that in some basic detail to satisfy the needs of the standard and to satisfy your own needs because especially if this is a new system and three months oh my gosh you're going to do so much stuff in the next three months you're going to totally forget where you were trying to go so that document is is crucial and simple and simple okay so I think that's the key that Kyle wants to get across is this, this doesn't have to be hard. It, no. is, it needs to be simple. No. Oh, Kyle's pulling out the standard. <laughs> he told me he was going to pull it out, and there were a few things he wanted yeah. to read, so I guess he's going to read us something. Yep. So, you know, we're talking about everything starts from the top. Got to how, how it flows through here is they revised the quality management principles um, a little bit, but uh, number one is customer focus. We'll we all get that, right? If the mm -hmm. customer's not happy, we don't have a business. Right. <laughs> so that makes sense. Um, that's got to be first. But how do you make sure the customer's happy? Well, the first thing's leadership. Well, mm -hmm. you as the quality manager, you're technically leadership. So um, the next one is engagement of the people. Well, we kind of talked about that already, right? So engagement of the people could mean engaging your management, could mean engaging the folks below or parallel to you. Right, mm -hmm. so we got to get people involved. It's it's just crucial. Um, and then we talk about process approach, which isn't that kind of basically a little bit of what we were mentioning with a what I like to use the quality manual for. So we're just going to outline what our processes are and how they connect and link together. Right. So you know, like um, how shipping might have something to do with your nonconformity process. Well, let's let's lay out a few details there. Okay. But again, don't put anything unique. You know in the quality manual just it's, it's it's a guide for your system okay it's just a guide so that's the you know the the quality management principles which you know really really works well you know so then in uh, clause four we talked about context the organization which i think we addressed which is really kind of what you do and mm -hmm. you know how you do it and they, they word it really really complex um but they they've got a whole lot you know have a page here on 
scope. Well, the scope's like, what do you do? What do you not do? Right? Right. So this is actually fairly fairly straightforward. So and then we talked about interested parties. You know who who's affected. If if you have a chemical release, you need to know ahead of time who's going to be affected by it. Right. <laughs> Um, not that we haven't discussed that on the uh, podcast previously. <laughs> um, so, and then we go into Clause 5, which is actually a, a little bit big, and it's, uh, it's leadership. And so it starts out saying that top management shall demonstrate leadership and commitment with respect to the quality management system. And they've got like A through J points on here. Um, but the big thing here is, is talk. we're going to be talking about um, you know, let, let's have a plan for how this is going to be effective, right? Let's okay. have a plan for how we're going to account for risk. Let's have a plan for all of these things. And again, you as a quality manager, middle management, you can absolutely put one heck of a plan together. And then you take that to the folks below you, to the folks parallel to you in the organization. You get a little bit of input from them. You take it up to your management. That's engaging with people, you're engaging with leadership, and you're doing all of this focus on your customer. I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to okay. be. Because we can't really throw everything at the feet of top management as much as we would like to. Right. Because if we threw everything at the feet of top management, well, they, they probably wouldn't be managing the business. They'd be doing the work <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, so... So, yeah, you, you can absolutely, absolutely do it. Well, I think and, it's important to note that when we say um, engagement of the people, and I think there was a word somewhere that I heard or read, you know, I always think getting people on board to follow the quality manual, the, mm -hmm. the procedures, the processes, the everything, and, you know, people saying, oh, it's one more thing coming down the pipe. But you mentioned, okay, let's write this out. And then give it to them and say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Not give it to them and say, hey, we're going to follow this. Right. So yeah, it's by asking be... for their input, you're going to get them more engaged. You are. And then hopefully when the final comes down, which it's never the final because then we just do Rev A, right. as Kyle exactly. likes to say. Exactly. Um, then, you know, when the first final comes mm -hmm. out, you can say, hey, guys, thanks for helping me. Here's mm -hmm. what we've got. Yeah. And so for it to come from the top, that I mean, that does. It comes from actually multiple layers of the organization. And, and I've been guilty of this myself, is I've been so frustrated and upset that, you know, management wouldn't just tell me what they wanted done here. But at the same time, when they do just tell me what to do, I'm all mad about that, that I didn't get to have my own opinion. Right. And I'm, certain other people deal with that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So it's helpful to get the input so that people feel like they have buy-in, mm -hmm. which is something else we've talked about yep. on this uh, podcast. And this is what, when an auditor comes out to do your certification audit, when they're conducting the management audit, this is the stuff they're looking for. This is what they, they want to see. It's they want to see that the organization is engaged at multiple levels, that leadership which doesn't mean only the topmost level of, of leadership. Mm -hmm. It means leadership is engaged with the people and amongst each other. And that, you know, your, your policy actually means something to your business. Your objectives are relevant to what you're trying to get done so that you can focus on the customer. We know who our interested parties are, and maybe some of the folks on the floor even know how what they do could Im impact people outside those four walls. Right. 
that's what we're looking for. And if you can show that, I mean, it took me, what, 30 seconds to actually say? <laughs> so if you can show that in a three, four day audit, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think we've talked before about how it should be a team mm-hmm. effort. And if you don't have a formal team that's, you know, everybody has their assigned role, it can still be a team effort. It can with an effective quality manager that has yeah. read these books or either is just yeah. really good with people and can yep. pull the people in. Yeah, and to clarify, like I, I talk about reading those books because I had to because I'm naturally not very good with people. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. So I'm, I'm not going to hide nothing here. Um, you know, I'm sure someone will, someone will comment and be like, yeah, he's right, he's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had to do these things to, to educate myself on, on how to work with folks better and you know, truth is, I kind of took it to an extreme. There's probably over 100 books um, in my Audible on in you know management fields and theories, whatnot that I've read. But um, th- that's just because that's that's how I I have to approach things. So if you have a different manner to approach it, or you've got different tools at your disposal, go for it. Yeah, I just feel like you need to be able to kind of massage the people yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah. get on to lead into it yep. and be on your side. And when they're not, my gosh, pay attention. Why aren't they? Yeah, there's a reason that they are not on board. Yeah. And if the reason is just blatant, they don't like change, eh, that's just kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But any other reason, then they're just a stick in the mud. Um, Really pay close attention to because that's the most valuable insight. Because you're going to build a box inside your head of how you think this should go. And I can promise you, you're not going to be accurate enough. That just kind of makes me think maybe unrelated. But our toddler daughter who is three <laughs> has been a heck of a new experience for us we, we had two boys who are incredibly active and were a lot to handle on their own and still are yeah <laughs> i say in the past tense like they're not anymore but they still are and then we had our daughter and yeah. it, you know a girl is a whole new world and so she tends to cry and scream and have a lot of fits and recently I've been trying to at least pretend to be empathetic. She thinks I'm being empathetic to her. (laughs) And she'll cry and scream, and I'll get down on my knees, and I'll calmly say, Katie, are you feeling sad right now? And that will kind of calm her down a little bit. And she'll Mm -hmm. say, yes. And then, you know, we can get to the bottom of it. So it's the same thing. But the funny one, one, though, (laughs) is... She'll say, no, I'm mad. (laughs) I'm like, well, good for the honesty. (laughs) Yes, she's honest. So the point being that you're dealing with toddlers. No, (laughs) I'm not going to say that. But people in general, it's a natural instinct to to want to feel understood. Yeah. So if there are people that are not on board and don't want anything to do with it, then just ask questions. Yeah. Why aren't you interested in this? Yeah. And what about that? Yeah. And what about that? And keep asking questions until you get enough information to help them feel like they've been heard. Yes. And then again, get them back mm-hmm. on your side. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you know, I worked for Best Buy for a while and uh, get through college. And, you know, not that you think Best Buy is like the greatest source of uh, leadership training, but in a couple of aspects, it was really phenomenal. Because um, when customers come into the store, all they knew is they needed a computer. They didn't have a darn clue what they needed. Mm-hmm. They just knew they needed a computer. And they barely even knew that sometimes, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, as a supervisor, they went through a lot of training with Best Buy, and they work very hard to teach you how to extract what they call the um, unknown needs of the customer. What they didn't know they needed. They didn't even know that they needed it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a sleazy sales pitch. I mean, it was a legitimate, like, what's hurting you? Because I worked in the Geek Squad, and let me tell you, half the people that came across the Geek Squad were pissed off. Right. Um, so you had to figure out how, how to how to extract their pain from them mm-hmm. and to find a solution. And so you got to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing here with developing something new. Yeah. People just want to feel like they're hurt. They do. They do. So... All right, so I guess that's it for It Starts at the Top. Did you have anything else to add? No, no, that that's it. Okay. That's it. I, I mean, I, I seriously think if people could listen and, and really extract some of what we had to say here, like, oh my gosh, this could save some people a lot of heartache and developing, especially the, the context of the organization. Again, it just it hurts me. It just me. needs to be simple. Yes. <laughs> Don't make it too difficult. No. And, you know, let the people know you're on their side. Because really, you are. You are. You're, you're trying to make it simple for them. Yeah. And imagine if you're in their shoes and you're being told to do things differently. You've done them for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Well, that guy that's done it this way for 15 years is secure in his job and in how he can do his job. And he goes home every day feeling as though he did a good job. Mm-hmm. And now there's all of these weird, crazy things, especially with some of the terminologies and the standard being thrown around. I mean, you can really push some folks in in the corner, and you know, grown men, you put them in the corner, they're, they're probably not going to respond real well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there and caused it both. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's one of the great things about us in our business is that Kyle's been on both sides of most of the fences <laughs> that mm-hmm. you guys are encountering. So, um, keep it simple. Get people on your side. Extract information. That's it. It doesn't have to be that hard. No, that's it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.